0: Welcome to the official podcast of ToyPhotographers.com, where we talk to photographers from around the globe about turning action figures, Lego, miniatures, and more into fantastic works of art. Hi there, and welcome back to the Toy Photographers podcast. I'm Terry Green Henning, and I'm here with Ariel Figueroa and a special guest we'll introduce in a second, and we're your hosts for the special series focused on toy photography from a beginner's perspective. Today, we're bringing to you our seventh and final episode of this mini-series. When we first sketched out plans for these episodes, we had planned for eight. However, as the recordings progressed, we found we were covering the range of topics as we went. So today, we're wrapping up our episodes with a special guest who will share his journey to toy photography. Welcome Ben Piper of Project Piper Customs.
1: What's going on, Toy Fam? It's nice to be here. Thank you both for having me on. It's great.
0: Oh, Ben, thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, ben is joining us from London, where it is late afternoon for him. Um, I'm in, so we have three time zones on this call. So I'm in New Hampshire and it is 11 a.m. And Ariel, share, I don't know if we've ever shared where we're from.
2: I'm in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, so it's
0: 9 a.m. Excellent. So. Nearly Welcome got the whole everyone. day
1: covered there. We just need someone in <laughs> the absolutely. late evening. Got the whole
2: day covered. Morning, <laughs> afternoon, and almost evening. There you go.
0: Absolutely. So, Ben, I'd love, you know, I think when Ariel um, introduced me to your work, mm-hmm. I, I'm blown away, you know, and I am oh, so thanks. thrilled that well, we have you on on the show and we can hear from you about just, you know, dialing it back to when you were a beginner, mm-hmm. um, advice for, for some beginners out there. but. Yeah. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and just in case they're not familiar with your work.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, uh, yeah, so I'm um, based in London. Um, I've always been a creative I uh, always had the creative bug. Uh, I used to do quite a lot of drawing back in the day, sketch work. Um, but since sort of like, I don't know, coming into the teenage years, discovering, you know, obviously the uh, the trials and tribulations of being a teenager, I sort of fell out about a love of uh, sketch work a little bit. But the, I always had the creative bug still in me. I just I sort of didn't really discover a new outlet for a while and um getting i used to collect back when i used to work in forbidden planet in the early 2000s um pretty hard not to when you get a really good store discount <laughs> and but then after that it kind of sort of died, died down again so i didn't really start collecting so my entry into toy photography is kind of uh subsequent sort of my entry into just a collecting hobby obviously we're all we're all collecting at the time and um so collecting again didn't start until about 2016 for me as, a, as an escape for, um, unfortunately, my dad had an illness. So it was kind of an escape for me just to take my mind off it. And sort of from there, I elev- elevated into um, customizing first. So toy photography wasn't my first avenue creatively when it came to this hobby. It was actually customizing. And it was my father's inspiration that uh, got me to customizing. Through um, so he loved to do sculpt work, sort of just to pass the time uh with clays and stuff and i just thought I'll, I'll give that a go it looks like he's having fun he's doing really good and i'll uh, about I apply it to action figures and then that sort of led me down that rabbit hole and um, which then in turn sort of led me into the community that was my entry into the community where all of this kicks off is um not discovering the online community especially on instagram and then from there that's when i sort of discovered uh, um sort of what people were doing now with toy photography i'd sort of sort of known toy photography was around because i don't know if you remember back in the day or if any of the listeners back in the day remember the wizard magazine and the toy fair magazine that used to be around
2: yes i do do remember those
1: yeah and there used to be a little segment in there a little comic strip segment called twisted toy fair and basically what the artists would do they would take these really old school 80s migo style uh superhero figures and all kinds and they'll create comic book style panel stories with them really comedic humorous tone and um and that kind of was was just like really really cool to see and they actually developed so many stories they could fit them into a graphic novel and there was a few volumes of that so but then I didn't really sort of make that connection until going into the uh the community and seeing what people were doing with their action figures besides just displaying them and and from there, it kind of, that was it. I got the bug, wanted to give it a try. I didn't think I would get anywhere near the level of the work that people are seeing. So I was just basically just taking some silly shelf shots and inserting some speech bubbles via, you know, phone editing apps and stuff, just having some fun with it. And if I, you know, if any of the figures that I was taking a picture of had a power-based display, you know, like, you know, superpower, I would use phone editing apps just to insert, you know, some lightning here or there just to have some fun. And then... What really elevated it for me and made me want to sort of take it much, much further was um, I discovered a gentleman on YouTube uh, called Al's Figures. And Owl's Figures is a diorama maker. And he was, it was just that this video wasn't actually particularly centered around a diorama specifically. Specifically, it was actually a car video of him just ranting. He was getting something off his chest. And what he was talking about was a group on Facebook called Articulated Comic Book Art or ACBA and basically what it was was a toy photography group um, and he was just detailing it so well and it wasn't that was kind of basically what he was talking about but he was cool to talking about drama within the Facebook you know community as there always is on social medias but I was really sort of focusing on him talking more about articulate comic book art so I went on Instagram and I checked it out and that was pretty much it that was the uh, the Smithsonian of toy photography, the style that I wanted to do, which was more comic book based, superhero movie recreation stuff, um, and what got me was it was all tangible. There was no editing, there was no Photoshop editing. Now I didn't mind Photoshop editing, but the people got people can do with Photoshop editing it is insane is absolutely insane but for me that's like okay i've got to learn a whole new program and then there's there's, there's, (laughs) there's a whole another thing i've got to learn from that and it's like i wasn't ready yet i just wanted to take pictures so okay i I didn't have any confidence of posting my own work up there until way later on because i didn't think i'm nowhere near as good as this but i'm interested in getting to that level so i started uh, just admiring it you know and then people would post daily all the time throughout the day and some and they would get criticism, you know, generic constructive criticism within the comments. And this is great, but if you move this over here, that would cover that area and you might get a better angle. You know, it's not so it's not so cut off here. And I think, okay, this is cool. They can offer you advice at the same time as well as admire your picture. So I eventually I did start dropping my work in there, early days, and yeah, it's slowly built up from there. And what really took it to the next level beyond that was um there was a tournament. They held World Championship tournaments. Uh, and this particular one that came up was the third time they'd done this, and this was called Photo Combat 3. And this was a Grand Prix bracket-style tournament where you'd submit an entry. You had to chip in to the money because there was prizes in the pot of uh, cash to win at the end. And you submitted your shot for an entry, and if you got, you got, know, if they liked it, then you were eligible to p- participate in the comp. And I think out of about 400 applicants, there were about 250 made it. I'd luckily got into one of them. And basically, it was a one-on-one system. So you got pitted against one other person, and they were seven rounds with seven different themes. There was a set of rules, of course. You could have at least one figure, uh, at least one prop, at least one tangible effect, and no Photoshopping. And at least one speech bubble because the they uh, articulated comic book art, they're all about the tangibility. So if you're going to do a comic book style with a speech bubble, they had um, paper cutouts of a speech bubble that you'd find a way of tangibly having it in the scene. And these are all different tricks. I was like, okay, how do I do this? How do I do that? And it just opened my mind to a whole school of learning this particular style. And I made it into the semifinals of this competition. Amazingly. I don't know how, but it got judged on judged or point scheme. And it from there, I think personally for me, what took my photography to the next level was the kick the kickstart of being in the thrill of a competition, the pressure. Okay, I need to get my work this good. I need to really double down and make sure I grind these shots out. And I think that's kind of what threw me over the edge until like, you know, from taking it casually to no, no this is it still maintaining the fun but now i've set my own standard it's like i really need to sort of keep it at this level if i can um and yeah that's what sort of jump-started everything for me to to being uh being able to um hide flight stands tangibly lighting um, translucent effects that come with silent figures i know in your previous episodes you talk about the different props that come with figures now you can use them and some of the figures that you can buy come with uh, translucent power effects to simulate the power of a superhero and a way to light them so they actually look uh, like they you know that they're on and um, so all these different things that i was able to learn throughout the community having people have eyes on my work Criticise me where i need to you know saying oh this looks good but if you move this over here it will be great Uh, so i could sharpen those up for the next shot and all of it just just aided and i just it's the community itself the community the feedback from the community but the same token you have to be willing to accept criticism because some yes. people, <laughs> yeah. which is which can go either way, especially nowadays on social media, it can go downhill. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so it's from the ACBA Articulate Comic Book Art Facebook group, particularly, and they have an Instagram where they showcase their favourites and their best pieces, and um that's kind of like my sort of bubble of of mm-hmm. where I like to what I like to shoot and how I like to do things and kind of my style. So yeah, that's kind of where from beginning to where I am now, to be honest, with toy photography. Wow. Nice. Yeah, so it's I, quite I a used, journey. I
2: used to work at a, I used to work at Apple, and we used to have a thing called fearless feedback. Oh yes, that sounds perfect. <laughs> That's what it is. Has to be fearless feedback that you gotta, you gotta have courage to give it and courage to. Acceptance to take it, so for sure, definitely works. Um, yeah, and
0: actually, I'll just jump in that that ties into a recent episode on the podcast about criticism, how to how to find mm. it, how to ask for it, yep. and that's huge, especially for folks just starting out. I know Ariel and I have chatted about you know, kind of putting our photos out there for the first time. It's scary, you mm-hmm. know? and Yeah.
1: Massively. Absolutely. Because, you know, I would only, I would display my work, custom work to start with. And then I started dabbling with the photographs on my personal Insta in amongst mm-hmm. the pictures of me and family and whatnot and going out and stuff like that. And I thought, it's kind of, I'm showing my work off to, you know, obviously people that have known me and, uh, but it's kind of like, I don't feel like this is the platform for it, so I, and that is when I created my own separate account dedicated for it alone, and uh, and then the name Project Piper Customs came about, so I could just plant it all there, and and then that's when the community engagement came along, um, which was separate, and because that's kind of really what I wanted to focus on when it came to this particular account, you know, um, and yeah, so it's just I could indulge all of it in one spot. You know mm-hmm. talk to the people in this hobby and i uh, can display all the work and i felt comfortable doing so you know whereas if on my personal i knew i had a bunch of eyes around me that i'd see every day or you know at work or mm-hmm. stuff like that and you know and it can be it can be jarring to to want to put your work out there especially within the hobby of collecting you know mm-hmm. so but i think uh, i think yeah in terms of you know some people can still be a little bit reserved about maybe telling people they know what they like to do um but in a day, just do it. I, I can't hardly recommend anything. But every every person I have, uh, says, wow, that's actually really really cool, you know. And uh, they, you know, you say, oh yeah, I, I uh, take pictures of action figures. I do action figure customization. They look at you like what? <laughs> and first of all, it's a bit of well, that's lame. And then you show them. Some of them get the you know you get the old lame eyeball. You're like really. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're like, yeah, but you know, I, you do this, you do that, and then you show them your work, and they're like, oh, oh wow. And then their eyes lighten up to the uh, "I did not expect that" uh, look. And then, and then they're involved. Then, then they're invested. Then they want to know what you know, what your handle is, so they can follow you. And, uh, and it's like I got you now, have not I? You know. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Ben, just to kind of clarify the timeline, you said to 2016 really started everything. Pretty much, yeah. And and then when when would you say? When was that tournament? When you the, made it to the semifinals?
1: That tournament was in 2018, so two years after. Okay. Yeah. So two. And then, years then
0: when did you launch? You know, Project Piper, like the Instagram. Uh, the so inst- let's start. Yeah, when did you launch the Instagram?
1: The Insta itself, I think, was probably about six months to a year after I started collecting again in general, because then I was sort of finding my feet with customizing, and then sort of, uh, and then sort of realized it was in about a year's time that I I sort of discovered. Yeah, I think I should start my own thing and, um, and then launch Project Piper Custom. So that was in about 2017 on okay. Instagram.
0: What about your YouTube? And we're going to get more into your YouTube channel in a second. But when did you launch that?
1: YouTube was, oh, that was about, I think I was I'm trying to remember me now. It's about 2019. I think it was just the turn of 2019 um, that I decided to launch that. It was in the January. It was sort of like a new year thing. You know, awesome. Um, the, yeah.
0: the reason I wanted to clarify your timeline, I think for for folks listening, I want it, I it's helpful for me to see too, because I just hit the year mark mm. and I love that we're talking to someone, you know, who's been doing this for five years and mm. to see how it doesn't happen overnight. And mm. I know Ariel and I, we've had these conversations with folks who've you know, privately or or personally in our relationships who've been doing this for several years, you know, Shelley Corbett comes to mind certainly. And I just, I don't have a sense of what it's going to look like. I mean, I had no idea it was, I was going to reach the year point. And Mm. so it's really cool for me to hear, this is not an overnight thing. It was, you started And then, you know, two years later, you entered this competition, Mm -hmm. um, you you know, you had started putting on Instagram and then a year after that YouTube. So thank you for just kind of illustrating the,
2: the progression,
0: the the progression and the consistency Mm -hmm. and the constant kind of putting yourself out there and developing and moving yourself to the next level. Mm -hmm. Um, that's awesome to hear.
1: Good. Good. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely, um sort of it's a leveling up process for yourself so so when i started the insta and it started gaining a small following but then as as all social media platforms do they they will grow they will grow and you'll see it grow some will be a lot slower and then you might have one particular picture or a piece of art that suddenly just boom goes viral you know you just it's getting so much traction that you know your other piece has been left behind and or it might have a steady climb and eventually you'll reach these milestones these little ones, like maybe you'll get 100 followers or or 200. And I remember obviously talking uh, in a prior episode about um, not letting likes define you on social media. And that is very true, even still now. But there is no doubt that you do get a buzz when you start seeing your work get popular and noticed because it's the algorithm. You know, the more that like button gets hit, the more the algorithm pushes your shot out there and attracts other people to it. So there is a little bit of give and take with it. And along with the subscriptions, you know, the more subscriptions or followers and the more shares and stuff like that. So it is a little bit symbiotic, but it can be disconcerting with that like counter specifically. Um, but and once- if I would Go just on. say, oh, yeah. sorry, I don't mean to. Right. No, um, you're good, You're good.
0: <laughs> For the folks just starting out, like mm. I didn't launch my Instagram. I was kind of a late comer to Instagram in general. Mm-hmm. Um but 2021 is wow. is really when I started. So you kind of beat the weirdness of the algorithm <laughs> and, and got on there. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that – I should have your Instagram up in front of me, but I don't. What is your – just to say, what is your like, you know, your follower count?
1: Um, I'm approaching – I have it. I think it's about – Oh, you have, have it, it up open. there? Again? Yeah, it's approaching yeah, five. Yeah, it's approaching five, yeah. Approaching 5,000.
0: 4,800. 5, yeah. 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 So, okay. So for frame of reference, um, I'm approaching 400. Hey, and
1: it's good though. Well, yeah. it,
0: you know, and you're right. I mean, I think it's a steady, when you think about, okay, in a year went from like 75 to 375. That's great. Mm-hmm. But I think for folks just starting out, that yeah. algorithm is- I don't. Need, I don't get it. I don't care. I don't um, understand
1: it still either. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I'll give you just a quick context. There was a period Please. of time where it it really rocketed up quick. Um, from from, and I looked at the reference from how long it took to hit 1k, so then how long it took to hit two and three k, and even four, and it, it no one year was the same. Some went quicker, some went slower, and I give you a frame of reference now. I got to the 4K mark, and I've been sort of stuck in the between the 4K to 5K for about a year and a half. It's so yeah. strange. So you, you see in your notifications, you gain a load of people liking your shots, that's fine. But you also see a load of people following you. You go into your account, and you notice your following count hasn't changed whatsoever, yet it's gone down too. And I just...
0: Interesting. And
1: then suddenly you'll get an influx where it has gone up. And then two more are going to think, are people unfollowing me? No, there's pretty much Instagram, what it will do. It will do, somehow it just does a little purge of dead accounts. It's weird. And it's sort of been doing, it's been going up and down, up and down, floating around the same mark for a good quite a few months. And sort of only recently has it actually breached into the point where I'm about to break out of the four k mark into the five so even now even with this height you know semi-high number there's accounts that have got 10 times more than i have it's still unpredictable and it's still a learning curve with this algorithm so it's kind of like i'm at the point now where it is nice when a photo or piece of work or even a post of any kind takes off and people enjoy it it doesn't bother me in the slightest that it doesn't get any traction you know even if it gets like a, a cut 100 or 150 or something and or if I get like one follower or if a couple of followers drop off, doesn't bother me in the slightest whatsoever. I kind of view my Instagram now as kind of like this is my art. My Instagram is my art gallery. It's there if you want to look at it. If you enjoy it, cool. If not, don't worry. It's still there. It's still there. That's, that's kind awesome. of it. Yeah. Just like, a little art like, gallery and, for you.
2: Yeah. And like uh, and like we say, you know, for for anyone that's listening that's starting to get into it. Yes, it it can be very deflating mm-hmm. in a way um you know you're not getting the you know you're, you're not getting the likes that you think you should be getting or the followers that you hope that you would be getting um but uh, you yeah, know, Terry uh, and I mentioned this in one of our previous episodes it's like it's all about you it's, it's you have to have you know if you like it if you enjoy it to be honest screw the rest <laughs> you know it's just like yeah. just post it have fun with it enjoy it and it it, it Eventually, it would all come together. It will all come sure. together. You'll get the likes, you'll get the follows, and and if you don't, so what? You're still having fun. You're still enjoying it. That that
1: few that will be in your following count and that do like your post, they're your real ones right there. The exactly, real one. the ones exactly. That interact with you, exactly. the ones that message you saying, "Hey, I love your stuff," and want to get to know you. They're the real ones right there. One thing exactly. I have understood about the Instagram uh, algorithm, just briefly, is that I know that it does favor quantity over quality. So the more you post daily. Uh, the more it will push you out there because it wants activity. It wants people using their platform, which is why they've introduced this real system to try and be the, a new TikTok as a rival to TikTok. But I've literally seen one of the accounts I follow, great guy. I've chatted him for a bit. He does some custom work. He will literally just pitch, uh, post a picture of a an arm, of an action figure, just an arm, on a kitchen counter with no context in the description whatsoever. And that thing will get about 4,000 likes.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Just and I'm like, yeah, this thing's no, I'm never I'm never working this thing. Like, no, I'm good. You know, and you can pour your heart and soul into a shot, put it up there, and it'll get one twenty and stuff like that. It's like there is do not try and understand it. It's weird. Wow. Just enjoy the yeah. ride as it is. Because when you get something like that hitting big numbers, I'm like, yeah, there's no reason. There's that shouldn't even be allowed to be that number. It's like that's just wait, it's this popular. Exactly. It's some reason, I don't know why, but I tend not to let it bother me. You know, is see that, and I am thinking. I just laugh now. I just <laughs> like, there you go. It's all you need to know about Instagram, really. Okay. So, yeah.
2: So, so one thing I wanted to one thing I wanted to ask um, in one of our previous epi- one of our episodes, uh, Terry and I was talk- were talking about what came first, the photographer mm. or the tour collector. Um, so it sounded like for you, the collection came first. So, do you have any background experience on photography, or is just something you learned as you went?
1: pretty much learned as I went my father used to do um used to do photography um as sort of a hobby he got into it this is when I was very much a kid so I I won't you know I had no frame of reference or sort of any interest as a kid you know all over the place but I knew he did it I knew he was very good this is at the time when he actually had to put film in the camera um so when it came to now it's literally all been this hobby so everything I've learned about photography and cameras has been through this hobby so and that's one thing I love about just as I say quite a lot of the time, just the hobby of collecting, just collecting the amount of creative avenues that you can explore if you want to within photography being one, the stuff I've learned in photography for toy photography, I can now apply to if I want to take a picture of a plant or something or anything else. It's uh, photography itself, no matter what your subject matter is, I now know these bits and pieces, thanks to this hobby. Uh, obviously customizing being another one where you can have sculpting, paintwork, this that, and the other diorama making involves the same sort of thing. You've been building miniature worlds, soft goods, uh, manufacturing, you know, clothes for these, uh, figures that's, you know, the seamstress, all of that, that's another art form, 3d printing and using 3d printers and prop making building the amount of art forms in this one hobby alone that you can explore if you wanted to is insane. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why I love it so much. And toy photography being one, I massively gravitated towards and uh, embraced. And I can't tell you how fun it is.
0: Sorry. So Ben, as a follow up to Ariel's question, what were you using when you started out? And you know, in terms of gear, because that's something Ariel and I talked about. He had started with a phone. Mm-hmm. You know, quickly moved up to to a camera. I had kind of come from an amateur hobbyist photographer before ever owning toys Mm. so what did you start with and you know maybe what did your gear look like when you started and what do you use now
1: oh yeah well for the for the camera itself was the same as it was just the phone the the Mm -hmm. phone the model phone i had at the time and um i made do with that that was okay you know i made i made it work um but I didn't really explore any of the settings that could be within. Uh, Obviously a lot of phones now have a pro mode where they have some DSLR settings. Um, But at the time it was just a phone and I would light the shots. I would hold, this is before I even had a tripod. So I start by literally just holding the phone in my hand and having one of those push button lights that you can just stick to a wall or underneath a cabinet. Mm -hmm. I would hold one of them (laughs) above my subject and try and get it quick enough and make sure my phone hand well. isn't shaking before <laughs> I can hit that button and get it and hope that it came out right um so I was doing that and then I got a little tripod which made me free up two hands so I could have two of these little <laughs> lights floating around and then eventually I upgraded to I got given actually my father's DSLR camera it's an older model um let me, can't actually remember what the model number is it's one that doesn't have a video recording feature on it i know that but it's still a damn good camera to this day and it's still one i'm using to this day um so yeah i upgraded to that and when i he gave me that camera changed the game i can't tell you you can take some amazing toy shots with phone cameras you really can Uh, but it is a game changer when you get your hands on on an actual camera you know Mm -hmm. it really is um I can't tell you what a game changer it was so yeah and then from there um got myself a big tripod and then I started exploring more lights so one of the things I I express is you can never have especially when you're doing indoor because I'm primarily indoor photography myself um you can never have enough lights so if you have (laughs)
0: we mentioned that we said that yeah exactly (laughs) depending
1: on your your work area if you've got a really big work area and you can afford you know you can have big big lamps you only need a couple then because you're having a lot of light flooding in but i like different kinds of me lights you know, lights that I can, you know, just stick there. Lights that literally only light up one portion of the figure. Laser pens, finger lights, uh, um, UV lights, all sorts to incorporate because you never know when you're going to need it. And I love using all sorts of lights. So for me in my little work area here, everything I do is is in the area that I'm sat in now. So I have to use I'm using uh, three desk lamps. Um, one's got a dimmer, actually I've got three of those, but I use one just for the, for, for now, if I need more, I bring them in. That's got a dimming feature so I can control that. And then I have what a lot of people you've heard, you've seen, you've heard of the loom cubes, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I yes. use their, um, their budget cousin, the Ulanzi cube, uh, right. but which now have made right. basically that model that Ulanzi used, which is a lot cheaper brand. Um, there's a company called Small Rig that also do that very same cube so I have a few of those I didn't have the budget for bloom cube I've always wanted to and I still aim to own one one day um <laughs> but uh, yeah so I use a uh, Ulanzi cubes with the different attachments and stuff and that really helps as well with lighting but for sure if anything when you're starting off in toy photography um one of the things I do mention as well is that when you're starting off, you may see shots that have massive dioramas, you know, big elaborate setups. And then, I can't do that. I don't have any of that. What's going on here? To start off, to take a good toy shot of your action figure, you don't need any of that yet. That all is an investment, and you want to get into it. Those things are an investment. Um, but just have a you know a, a, a backdrop of some kind. You know, you could have the white hot backdrop, which is plain white, flood it with light, and um, and have the figure be the focus of your shot. But the, having as much light as possible in there, that definitely is uh, is something is a good starting place is to have a lot of light. That's one of the things that you will need a lot of. And, uh, and yeah, because, I mean, going from those little spotlights that I was just hovering around to, you know, having a little mini, you know, lamps pointing in here, there. I've got a little light in the corner, hitting the back of someone, giving me some rim lighting. You know, it, it, it elevates it all. You can, there's so much experimentation you can do with lighting. And that's one of the fun parts of it is the playtime with lighting. That's one of my favorite parts.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And that's a great thing. Like, I love that you brought that up that you can just use, you know, because I, I mentioned that to, to Terry during our episode, you know, me, I have two desk lamps and they're the smart light bulbs like mm-hmm. what you have that I can dim them. I can change the colors on them. Um, just regular light bulbs, regular fill up light bulbs that you can get, um, you know, at home depot or lowe's or any hardware store like that or even on amazon um so so that's great um so i want to the the diorama making because Mm -hmm. um again we're going to get into your your youtube channel now in a bit yeah sure um but uh when it comes to your diorama making um How did that come about? Like, why, you know, is it something that, you know, you were taking like pictures and you were like, man, I really wish I had this backdrop or I really wish I had this trash can or something in there. And you decided, well, instead of someone like me, then I'm like, well, let me see if uh, I can find it online. (laughs) That you were just like, let me see if I can make one myself. So, how how did you come across? how, How did that happen?
1: It started off, again, sort of getting involved in the community side of things because there's um not just instagram but there's a big community also on the facebook side of things especially when the buying and selling and trading part i was um one of the one of the friends that i'd made who's one of the best friends that i've made from the community his name is tom green he himself is a diorama maker in the hobby now i was interested in making a particular prop i needed a a one 12 scale barrel for a shot and i didn't know where to get one from or or. Or, or where to, you know, where to start, really. So I threw it into a one of the toy groups on Facebook, and then his name got dropped in as someone who could suggest where to get one from. So we did. He suggested where I could get one from. I got it, painted it up. But that one little uh, helping hand, we got chatting every day, and he himself was a diorama maker. From there, our friendship bloomed, and he did commission work. So from the jump, I kind of had an easy access to. You know, I really want a a diorama that I can actually shoot in. Um, Would you be able to make me one if I give you an idea of what it is I'm after and let me know the price? And yeah, pretty much all of my dioramas that I have, I've bought from him since. And um, not only him, but the other friends I've made within the community, especially being one of my favorite franchises, especially dominating right now is the Ninja Turtles. A friend of mine on Instagram that I got to know—he that's all he collects, and uh, he's a diorama maker as well, and has made some amazing things from the 1990s live-action movie that I fell in love with. We got chatting, we became friends. So, and there's a few in the YouTube community, and there's loads of other people's work that I've admired. So, kind of, I see it as what got me into wanting to start to go down that creative avenue was that I was just surrounded by it. I was surrounded by the best. And all the tips and tricks and everything I needed to learn was there at my doorstep. And it's something I wanted to do for a while. Majority of the pieces like the props, you know, not just accessories for the figures, but you can also get environmental accessories, you know, like bricks, walls, rocks, um, garbage cans, like, you know, all this and that and the other. And there are some toy companies that will actually make them that you can just buy. Um, But through that, and obviously just, Having a, a diorama supplier, thankfully, a really good one um, for what I need. What, the great thing about the diorama pieces that he's made is that I can mix them up into any fashion. So the one of the first pieces I bought from him was a rooftop, which came with two different um, things I could put on top of the roof. It was a flat base, four walls, quite large. And there was two sort of like outhouses, either a, um, a, a bit of semi-small building I could put on top or a stairwell doorway sort of uh building which pretty much just led out into the thing so with that I then you know what I can make a street out of this if I use the base as the the ground and put two of the side walls up there you go you got yourself a street wall so I started mixing everything up and the other pieces that I bought from him and you could chop and change and make all kinds of scenes you wanted so I love the modular playability of those and it kind of just got to the point where I dabbled with it last year I made a sewer tunnel out of a gigantic shipping tube I saw it in my local hobby store. I bought it, a year later, I decided to do something with it. I didn't have it in me to start working with foam and carving bricks, so I I, I went for other alternatives, but I I loved how it turned out, and I'm going to give this a proper go soon. Because there are times when I'm shooting, and I think, oh, I actually don't have anything to fill this backdrop, or to fill this part of the scene. Why not just make it, you know? Like a wall, particularly this particular style of wall or something with a doorway or, um, a big pile of rocks, something. And that's sort of, it's always been in my mind to just give it a go. There's a plethora of YouTube videos out there. I've got people I can talk to if I need advice on something, let's just go. And yeah, this year I decided to sort of give it an, uh, an actual college try as they say. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I basically decided to, well, if this is my my personal display area, I'm going to make the most of it. So, and what I, this is for the listeners is I have two DTOF cabinets next to me and that's, I don't have much room where I am. So I'm kind of utilizing the most space as I can. But for my own personal display collection, um, I've decided to put diorama environments into each of the cubes for that particular franchise that I've got figures for that's in that cube. So I did my first one recently. I get TMT related uh, told. Um, so yeah, and I I put a video on that in my YouTube, and I'm really happy with the, the progress and how it's going. I can't wait to do more. So that's kind of fueled my want to explore this art form even more. Is to start making things. That is
0: things. awesome. I I think you're you hit it um perfectly. You're spot on with the fact that the longer you get into this, mm-hmm. the more you have ideas and then Mm -hmm. those give birth to more ideas and more ideas and, and Ariel will laugh. I mean, we've, I think changed so much and developed so much, even not only since we began, but since we began recording together, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you know, you introduced some things to me and gosh, the other night I'm a night owl and it's a very bad habit that I will get online and, (laughs) you know, go down the rabbit hole of these YouTube videos and stuff. And I don't know if you're, So I got into miniatures this year, like the train figure HO scale. So now we're talking like the tip of my thumb and a whole new rabbit hole for me to fall into. But I, oh my gosh, it's, and you're right. I mean, I have, I'm looking around, my loft area has become like a craft room where I'm like, (laughs) hey, I wonder if I can make this. And I watch these YouTube videos of making like, bungalows out of um popsicle sticks and i ordered like balsa wood i have like four amazon packages coming today but you know in these it is so much fun to be able to to dream up something and with these miniatures you know it's winter here in new england and Mm -hmm. ariel i know you don't don't get snow but you know when you buy these i bought these skiers and so i'm like let my husband and I literally one day, a couple of weeks ago, um, spent our morning just making a ski hill of you know, we're plastering and it's like paper mache. It's literally like I'm in third grade again. Hey, that's, which the, that's where it starts. It's absolutely, it's the best. And then I'm looking at, oh my God, there are people doing this on 3D printers. How much would that cost? Oh, yeah. be careful, Terry. Be careful. I, <laughs> cool.
1: yeah, if I have, a, I have um, a rule. If there's someone in the community that's happy to make and sell and they're doing something that I like the look of or think, oh, they're mm-hmm. great or I love their work and I might hit them up just if I need it on the quick or something like that uh, yeah. and I'll be like I'll happily throw money at them and not only that I will support <laughs> them and their work at the same time I will also try and make me own when I can so I try and do a bit yeah. of both but yeah it's it's fun it's it's like mm, they've got it I want it how much it's uh <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's that's, that's
2: where I'm at. that's where I'm at that's mm. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I could make it I, I i'll play around with it like you know ben and i've been uh communicating about me uh weathering some uh plastic trash cans that i have that i want to mm-hmm. give some weathering to so i'm actually going to be playing around with that this weekend there yeah, you do um see how that goes but i yeah i don't know that's just a rabbit hole i don't know i'm ready to go into
1: maybe by the end of the year i might but i'll tell you what having <laughs> diving into these multiple creative avenues within collecting obviously like toy photography and customizing it trying to balance the what you want to do at one time is is not been easy so i at one point i will then i will have a wave of just doing custom work once i finished a custom i want to take pictures of it so then that sort of fuels me into oh i'm gonna have a toy photography wave then that's it so i'm just banging out toy shots and then like oh i want to get I want to do some more custom work I've got this and the idea so then I'll just do nothing but customs and then it will just be customs on my page and then obviously now that this little diorama has sort of been the main push at the moment and uh, as I said on the community tab it's like right how about we get back to some more toy photography hey eh? uh, and uh, I'll get back around to some customs don't worry but uh, mm-hmm. it's trying to just doing a bit of each at a time and um,
0: yeah it's, it's a delicate balance I think because you know do you want to in- I have to sometimes stop and remind myself the photography comes first mm. so yeah I can go down these rabbit holes and but for me personally my love is the photography yeah but then I keep thinking oh but I need that yeah. <laughs> you know? oh but I want that yeah um uh,
1: you want to expand ben,
0: one of the <laughs> one of the questions that or one of the topics I think that Ariel and I are really interested in getting to know your perspective on is YouTube mm-hmm. um you know, you're active on on Instagram, but also you have a, a great YouTube presence. And could you tell us a little bit about that, what that looks like, how it relates to the photography, um, and that creative element? Cause I think for a lot of folks, taking a picture, posting it on Instagram is one thing. Mm-hmm. But to be, you know, to get into the filming and that, that's like, no, I don't want to do that. But <laughs>
2: And in in particular, real quick, I'm sorry, if you can get into, you know, the the reason I I found Ben was uh, because that amazing series that you put out, you know, the Toy Photographers for Beginners, Mm -hmm. where you broke everything down piece by piece. I mean, like I told Terry, I wish I found that series when I started yeah sure. was, we'll link to that for sure it, it was so okay. helpful so yeah we'd definitely love to know more about that
1: for sure for sure well the whole youtube thing was again was another way of sort of just uh, okay what do i do now because i kind of amassed a following on insta i'd launched a facebook just to try and get that thing you know just to get that side of the social media porn going and also just to you know put my work there also get some different engagement but i think okay I've got, I'm, I'm staying away from Twitter. Um, but uh, so, okay, what's next? And you know, and it was my father. He suggested, Ben, why don't you do YouTube? Why don't you, why don't you just, you know, put this work out there? Because when you're doing the toy shop and what I like to do is obviously if, if, if someone, if I'm doing something really elaborate, if I'm hiding a lot of flight stands or if I'm, I'm catching the light with some, you know, some smoke or anything like that, I want to be able to share this is how I did it in case someone wants to see it and try it themselves. So I would do a little behind the scenes. Once I've shot the shot, do a little behind the scenes, little commentary, uh, but I wanted to do more. I wanted to elaborate on it more. I wanted to break it down. I wanted to share some of the custom work I was doing. So I thought, well, you actually know what? YouTube is actually a damn good idea. Okay, so what's the best way to get out the gate on YouTube? Uh, for me, uh, the best way I found on YouTube, and the one thing that if anyone in this hobby wants to do, get on YouTube, majority of the time, it's to do reviews, right? They say, oh, okay, reviews, I can do that. Now, when you're starting off, the best way to start off in YouTube when you're doing reviews is to basically hope that you get something in early. There's a lot with the action figure side of things is um, a lot of this is the pre-order game. Thing These companies will drop a pre-order, you get it, and whoever gets it first, if they're lucky enough to get it first, they can put then their review on Instagram or on YouTube, sorry, and people want to know what that figure's like before they get it. So if you can get out the gate early with something that you've happened to get early, um, you will draw the attention because people want to know what that figure's like. They, if you, It won't be till later on in the game, once you've amassed a following, that people will want to come to your channel for reviews because they want your opinion. Because they've gotten that time to get to know you, you can review something that's been out for months ago that everyone's got and uh, people will still watch it because they want your perspective. But that needs to be earned. So even though reviews isn't what I wanted to do on YouTube, it was kind of my way in. So I kind of played it a little bit. So I got, I managed to have something land in my hands that I seemed to have before anyone else, which was a particular piece It was from a third party company. It was the Iron Man uh, gantry, those yellow arms and things that come along and put his suit on him within the movie. And it was a 112 scale version of that with a light up base. And that just suddenly out of the blue. I pre-ordered it and it suddenly just landed at my doorstep out of the blue. And I hadn't seen anyone on, on social media have this yet. So I thought, Do you know what? Perfect. Time. Oh, just yanked this out of the air. Sorry, uh, Sorry, lost me your phones there for a second. Can you hear me right now? Yeah? Uh, Cool. Uh, so yeah, that was the perfect time to jump out the gate. So I thought, okay, this is going to look horrible. <laughs> There's gonna—I I don't know the first thing about recording a YouTube video. It's going to look horrible. So I sort of set this area up, just a blank area, and I had it in front of me. And my first video was nearly two hours long reviewing this thing, because I went so far into detail with it. And uh, I made it two parts. but. I put it out there and it got a little bit of traction. Um, And then I got, it was my first few videos were reviews. Once I'd sort of got a small enough following, say like 30 to 40 subscribers, um, which came naturally. They came over time. It was a slow build up; It weren't overnight, just like Instagram wasn't overnight. I then decided to put, um, I started to, I went to do a series called uh, Toy Photography Behind the Scenes. And this was one particular toy shot I was doing, and it was a um, it was a challenge from within one of the Facebook groups of uh, hide the stands. It was a flight stand hiding challenge, and I had done this particular toy shot, uh, and I had ten flight stands I had in this picture, and not one of them can you see, and I was uh, yeah, and uh, make sure I'm putting in there because I don't think I can hear you. There you go. Um, with that, and I thought, okay, let me be this. Let me record this. Let me talk you behind the scenes of setting it up. I had the camera rolling the entire time of me setting it up, um, going over the lighting, going over the posing and primarily going over how I'm going to hide these flight stands and then reveal the finished shot at the end and put that out as a video. And it did well. It took off and I thought, okay, here we go. I found a little audience, rock and roll. I thought, okay, I've got an audience for there. Let me test it with some custom works. I put a little custom video out there, broke down what I did here and there. It got a little bit of traction, but I was learning with each video of what was going to work and what wasn't. And like Instagram, it got to the point where even though these things are a lot more popular, I still wanted to put this out there. So I'm pretty much... The whole channel is revolving around action figures. And one thing YouTube, much like Instagram with its algorithm... YouTube doesn't like it when you uh, mix up your subjects. So if you're doing a channel, if you've got a channel and you're talking about action figures, it won't like it if you then decide to do a video on pottery. You know, So it's why a lot of these YouTube channels, they will have multiple channels for different things, have their own little network. So I kind of bent the rules with that a little bit and said, right, this is all about action figures, but I'm going to go in a various few different directions with it. I'm going to do some tour photography. I'm going to do some custom work. I'm going to do this and that. I'm going to do a review, a review every now and then. And it slowly but surely was a steady climb. So it wasn't overnight. If you really want to do overnight success on YouTube, start reacting to Eminem songs or uh, what's the other one? Uh, something else that will skyrocket you overnight. <laughs> And instantaneously <laughs> music reactions and movie trailer reactions. That's it. You're done. Uh you're good. Or reality TV or yeah. reality TV um, shows. Yeah, <laughs> random commentary on what's going on in the internet. Boom, you're gone. Yeah, I just I just to <laughs> me, as as fun as that is, that doesn't seem like there's any effort put in. So it is a slow burn within our niche market of action figures. And um so yeah, especially when it's not just reviews. So it has been a slow climb. And I did started YouTube, I think it was yeah, two thousand nineteen And I've just literally, as of yesterday, hit 4,000 subscribers. Wow. So it's been quite a journey. And with that, after getting so far, it was uh, last year, actually nearly a year ago today, that I decided to do the Toy Photography Beginner's Guide series. Because I was thinking, okay, if I'm going to have any form of life's work, I just want to put down what I've learned so far from where I started to where I am now. And even though there's a load of people out there, obviously like Sudok, I credit them, or loads of people putting that toy photography tutorials out there, that I don't think I've ever come across one that's been serialised in breaking down the different stages that I do, I, I, you know, that I have to go through when I set up a shop. So this is basically how I do things. As I was saying to um, Ariel before, I'm not trying to be like this is the be all end all how you do it. This is basically this is just how I do it. This is up to you if you want to try it the same way. But I broke down the various stages of what I do when I'm from start to finish of a toy shot and the things to focus on when you're setting one up. So the first episode is literally just an introduction with uh, with some essentials that you might need, you know, just to get you going. The second part is going over the differences between the camera and phone and how the different shots will look. And then the third one is when we start getting going into the actual photography side is where I, the the first episode is the first thing I focus on when I'm setting up a toy shot is the posing and framing of the idea that I have in my head and how I want it to look within my camera frame and the pose. So I will begin just on my desk with a couple of figures. I will just get a couple of figures out, the ones I want to use. I will get them in the pose I want. And then I'll get the camera out and see if I can get them in frame and see if it works. Okay, and maybe I'll switch the angle up. And once I've got my posing and framing down, and then the fourth part is, okay, let's step up the posing and go to dynamic posing. How can I make something look really realistic with an action figure? And I talk about how I go about doing dynamic posing with figures and, um, and just a whole segment on that. Next part is, which you also did a podcast on, which I listened to, is staging very much so staging. So once I've got my pose down and my frame down, I'll then look at what's left in my frame to fill out. And I'll think of, okay, where is it going to be set? The backdrop, what props are going to be visible, what's not? And it is very easy for someone, especially early on, I did the same thing, especially when it comes to props and setting up. Is If you come across this, you know, you... There's loads of places where you can get props from. As, as Ariel said, they come with action figures that you can use. Uh, there's dollhouse miniatures. Some of them will be in scale. And also the WWE wrestling figures come with a lot of props. And you can, do, you can buy bundle job lots on eBay. So out of nowhere, you could suddenly accumulate loads and loads of props that you suddenly want to show off and use. And it's very easy to put all of them in one shot purely just to show them off and say, look, everyone, look what I've got, that can easily oversaturate a shot. So I sort of break down what props sort of fit the scene that your figure's in, uh, what works best, not too much, not too uh, not too little, and what's going to help convey and convince the the audience that they're in this environment. And um, and also with the posing and framing, I go over how to eliminate dead space within your frame. And I'm also a, I'm a sucker for symmetry within a shot. <laughs> So if there's an area of dead space, like if there's a lot going on over this side of the frame, uh, there is a big chunk of dead space over here, how's best to fill it? Maybe I change the angle, maybe I change the pose of the figure, and uh, just so it's all nice and contained, and there's something going on in every part of the frame, but also that the backdrop isn't too distracting, and the main focus of your shot is what you want the picture to be about, and that's the figure. But... The backdrop complements it. Depends on the shot and the idea you have and how many figures are in the scene. Um, but I go over those sort of things. And then uh, six and seven are all about lighting. I go over, I did two parts because there's a lot to cover in lighting, especially how I do it. Um, so I talk about the lights I start off with, how I approach lighting a scene and the different, the different um, styles like I go from, here's how I light uh, a night shot. If a shot I'm doing is set at nighttime, this is how I light it. If a shot is set during the day, this is how I simulate daylight. If I'm doing indoor, where you know the light's only coming in from where you would inside a room, this is how I light these shots. And also, this is how I do comic book style with a plain backdrop, either be white, hot, or color. So I try and cover all of those things in the lighting. And I've still got two episodes to shoot. Um, the eighth one will be about camera settings, not necessarily teaching anyone how to use a camera because <laughs> I'm not qualified for that. <laughs> just basically what I've learned and how I tweak the settings on my camera when I'm doing certain shots and also going over what you can do with a phone. And the ninth one will be, okay, once you've got your shot, what do you do with it? Where are the best place on social media to go to get feedback, criticism, and how to, you know, just to feel confident in where you're putting it and to get your work out of there and uh yeah so that's kind of we're on the sort of same wavelength with your podcast and sort of topic mm-hmm. so i love it you know it, because <laughs> these things are the beats that you know that sort of really should be talked about but at the same token along yeah. with the main episodic series i also have some side note videos which i throw in there to cover little things that i didn't have room for in the main video which is stuff like what do you do when you have a creative block when you can't think of mm. anything to shoot and um I give an example of, of what happened to me when I recently had that. And another one is I, I go over all the lights I have in my arsenal and where to get them. Just little bits like that. That I didn't want to over inflate a main episode. So they're little side note videos that I sprinkle in as well. So yeah. That's
0: awesome, Ben.
1: So that, that is just
0: fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And and I think for those who you know, one of the challenges of a podcast is that it's just voices and, you know, we're talking through a lot, but you're giving that, that visual companion piece. I mean, it's just, in so many ways, you know, I think the two, the podcast and then your video series, Mm -hmm. if you're just starting out, um, shameless plug, you know, to just like check out both because I think, and, and our styles, the three of us have such different, styles absolutely, absolutely. Um, and i wish i had come across you earlier you know just as ariel said i i ariel i have to thank for introducing me to your work but um that is just awesome thank so you. yeah one of the That's things i cool. would like to ask i mean we're we're hitting up on that that hour mark pr- in a few minutes but how how frequent are you so actually let me back up the uh, This is not your full-time work or do you have a a traditional job as well?
1: I do have a nine to five on top. Um, Yeah, as much as I would love to do this full-time. And it's kind of primarily when when I've been given a block of time, as is the COVID situation over the last couple Mm -hmm. of years. There were big chunks of time where I wasn't working. um, This would fill it this hobby would massively fill it. In fact, I'm so glad to have this hobby during those periods where I wasn't working in the COVID days. I I feel bad for those who had to sit at home and twiddle their thumbs and watch Netflix back to front. (laughs) So uh, it's kind of most of my time is sort of spent on this hobby outside of work. But I do have a nine to five. Mm -hmm. that, It is quite a, it does take up a big chunk of my day. Like, um, so if I get a couple of hours in the evening during a weekday, I'll jump on it if I'm not too tired. Uh mm-hmm. but my most of the time I primarily leave it to the weekends. So I can sort of figure out a game plan, get some shot ideas, get, you know, some ideas for a new video, get some ideas for a new custom. And I'll sort of work on whatever I'm working on at the time, primarily at the weekends. Or if there's something I really, really am anxious to get started on, I'll cram it in at the evenings during the weekday. But uh okay. if I could do it full time, I would for sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and for and for the listeners out there, if you're interested, uh when Ben mentioned um building the uh the T M N T uh dial that he did, he does have a video on yeah. YouTube. latest one on the channel at the moment. Yeah. The latest yeah, which was Again, outstanding, and you went through. You know, you you did the fence. You built the fence. You built the um using oh, yeah. the balsa wood and all that. So it's. I mean, it's. It's yeah, fun. It's kind of video. like just
1: taking your my journey, and all the fails are in there as well. So uh, I, you see me learning as I'm going along with it too. So I thought this is not a tutorial by any stretch of the imagination. It's just uh, yeah, come and watch me make a mess. <laughs> 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 and that's fun. So
0: Ben. For the folks who are listening who are brand new to this, just mm-hmm. as, as I was you know, a year ago, as Ariel was a little more than that, um, what advice do you have for, for folks just starting out in toy photography?
1: For just starting out, I, there's one massive, massive piece of advice. It's primarily, I can't think of a better piece of advice to give, and that is pull from everyone. Everyone has different ways of doing things, different styles, different techniques, different chips and tricks. And it's also best to get multiple sets of eyes on your work if you want to see if there's something off uh, and get someone's opinion and they might see something that you don't. So I highly recommend pulling from everyone. Everyone's inspiration. Uh, Everyone's an inspiration. Uh, Ask for multiple people for advice, even on the same thing, to see if they may do things something differently, and it gives you options and to try things in multiple different ways and see what works for you. Um, And also definitely getting multiple eyes because I do too. To this day, I still ask advice on if I've done a shot. I'll sling it over to a friend of mine and say, is there anything off about this? I can't really tell. And I say, yeah, this looks a bit out. His line of sight isn't right on the money. You might want to lift his head. I was like, bingo, got it, cheers. And I've still got the shot set up and I'll correct it there. Um, But my advice is definitely. So if you take anything away from this podcast and from obviously what Ariel and Terry have have learned and talking about, if you take anything away from my series, if you take anything away from um, Sir Dork, who Ariel has mentioned quite a lot, or anyone else you see, drink it all in become a sponge and just get every bit of information you can because i had to go and ask and hunt and cherry pick for all the tips and tricks that i've learned and some weren't willing to give up their secrets which is fine and some were happy to to share and that's kind of the reason why i wanted to do this series is so it's out there everything that i've learned so far is out there and everything i learn going forward i'll put out there so there's another place to find it um so you don't have to look too far so, as uh, best advice I could give, pull from everyone. Love it. Fantastic. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Ariel, as I... we wrap up, you know, do you have any final questions that you didn't get to?
2: No. That that's uh, you know, I, I think we I think we covered everything. I I hope we covered everything. I <laughs> hope all the ev- everyone that um everyone that listened, um and uh you know have, have uh, joined us in this journey of doing this podcast which Terry and I have absolutely no experience on prior to this, so
1: <laughs> What's great a, is, is you're le- sharing your experiences as you're learning, which is great, you know, and it's, exactly, it's documenting exactly. it. And uh, I can ramble exactly. for, for ages, so I apologize if I just get <laughs> into all the time. I could talk oh, about no, this no, like no. yourselves. I could talk about this for, for ages. <laughs> so yeah,
2: definitely. But um, uh, but no, I just said you know I, I want to second what what uh what Ben said. You know, be a sponge, ask. Do, you know, don't be afraid to ask. You know. I, I by no means I am an expert, but I am more than happy to answer any questions. And mm-hmm. I have no secrets, so I will share all my tips and tricks. <laughs> not a problem. Um, and uh, have fun. Like I said, yeah. I, I mean we we've we've said this numerous times, but it is it, it is what it it, it 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 is what it is. Just have fun with it. Enjoy it and everything else would just fall into place
1: absolutely one last thing one last thing now sometimes in this hobby it can be a little bit stressful and emotional depending you know uh, to give an example if you've got a nice setup going you're taking a picture suddenly that setup comes crashing down it can be infuriating (laughs) don't worry about (laughs) it being infuriating because if you didn't feel anything for this hobby you wouldn't be infuriated, so I take that as a sign that yes, Very I still true. love this hobby. If I'm getting mad at it, I still love it. It's one of those weird Very things. That's the, that's the silver lining of how I like to look at it. Um, that's but, a
0: great perspective. You know,
1: it's, it is. Yeah. So if you're getting mad at it, you're like, oh god, why isn't this working? And just think, don't worry, you're not losing your love for it. It will come. In fact, you're just mm-hmm. even more passionate about it because you want it to go right. Um, so, and that. you will have those off days. And sometimes things will, won't will go the way you want. So sometimes it's best to step back. Sometimes it's best just to switch things up and try a different angle, try a different pose. You'll get in eventually. And uh, yeah, don't you worry. Everything, everything will work out and you'll just progress and level up as you go.
0: Love it. Love it. And mm-hmm. if I were to just end with anything um, in terms of advice or anything I've learned in the last year, don't be afraid to follow your curiosity, even mm-hmm. if... You know, it's kind of off the beaten path, and you don't have to stick to one thing. I nope. mean, sure, it'll affect the algorithm and all of that, but
1: no, I
0: love chasing the, oh, let me try this. Oh, let me try that. Absolutely. And so that's what I would say. Just keep, be curious, stay mm-hmm. curious.
1: Absolutely. Try it all. Try yep. it all. So, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, that's been great.
0: Ben, thank you so much for yeah, taking thank you so much. No
1: oh, worries know, at all. so much for having Saturday
0: me Saturday afternoon. <laughs> it's
1: all good. I absolutely yeah, love ben, it. Yeah, uh,
2: Ben. <laughs> plug your uh, plug your chat.
1: Where yeah, please. Where can, yeah, please, find where can folks oh, yes. find you? So on Instagram and Facebook, it is literally just at Project Piper Customs. And if you type in Project Piper Customs on YouTube, you'll find me there. Big red triangle with PPC in the middle is the logo. And uh, yeah, so I'm on those three platforms. Simple, easy, and uh, yeah, it would be love uh, awesome to have you over there. It'd be great.
0: Great. Right. Well, thank you, and on behalf of of myself and Ariel, thank you to all of you who've listened, who've given us just you know that encouragement along the way. Because as Ariel said, we've we haven't done this before. I think our first episode together was certainly my. It was. I think yeah. I'd done one other podcast where I'd been a, a guest on the Toy Photographers Podcast, but. We didn't really know what we were doing. So if you've been listening and sticking with us, thank you. We've had a blast and who knows, maybe we'll come back in a couple of years. It's like toy photography for intermediates. There you go. There you go. What's the next level up?
1: <laughs> exactly. I can't wait to find All out. Right. But no. Thanks thank again for having you. me on it Thanks been everybody. Awesome. Take care.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Take care everyone.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you want more episodes or articles about toy photography, visit us at toyphotographers.com. The best way to connect with us on social media is on MeWe. Search for toyphotographers.com or find the link in the show notes. If MeWe's not your thing, visit us at Facebook, Toy Photographers, or on Twitter at toyphotoblog, or on Instagram at underscore toyphotographers underscore. Thanks again for listening.